0: Section thirty-five of Anthropology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Amy Graymore. Anthropology Book One by Emanuel Kant. Translated by Adolf Ernst Kroger. End of section thirty-five. Concerning involuntary imaginations in a healthy condition, or dreams. It does not come within the province of a pragmatical anthropology, to inquire what sleep, dreams, somnambulism, which includes loud speaking and sleep, may be. For we cannot deduce from these phenomena any rules of our condition in dreaming, since those rules apply only to the waking person, who does not desire to dream, but wishes thoughtlessly to sleep. Again that was a cruel saying, and utterly opposed to experience which is attributed to the Greek emperor, who condemned a man to death, that had been reported as having had a dream wherein he murdered the emperor. Well he would not have dreamed it if he had not thought about it while awake. Dreaming seems to appertain to sleeping so necessarily that to sleep and to die would be one and the same if dreaming were not added as a natural, though involuntary, agitation of the internal vital organs by the power of imagination. Thus I well remember, have I, being a boy, tired out by play, laid me down to sleep, and in the moment of dropping off to sleep, was quickly awakened by a dream, as if I had fallen into the water, and near drowning, was being turned around in a circle, but all in order to fall soon asleep again, and more quietly, probably because the activity of the chest muscles in breathing, which depends altogether upon the will, relaxes and must therefore the movement of the heart being checked by the stoppage of the breath, be revived by the imagination of the dream. To this we may also count the beneficial effect of dreams in the so-called nightmares, incubus. For without this terrible imagination of a monster that oppresses us, and the exertion of all our muscular power to change our position, the stoppage of the blood would soon put an end to our life. This seems to be the reason why nature has so arranged matters that most of our dreams involve difficulties and dangerous circumstances, since such pictures excite the forces of our soul more than dreams wherein everything happens according to our desire. We often dream that we cannot lift ourselves on our feet, or that we have lost ourselves, or stopped in the middle of a sermon, or through forgetfulness put on a nightcap instead of a wig on entering a large assembly or that we can fly in the air like a bird, or burst out in joyful laughter without knowing why. But it will probably remain a mystery forever, how it happens that in our dreams we are often transported back to long-vanished times, and speak with people long since dead, and that, although we are tempted to look upon the whole occurrence as a dream, we nevertheless feel ourselves compelled to consider the dream an actuality. But we may probably accept it as certain that there can be no sleep without dreaming, and that a person who thinks he has not dreamed has only forgotten his dream. End of section 35